From its humble beginnings in 2001 about cars, family, and mischief, the Fast and Furious franchise has propelled itself in becoming one of the largest movie franchises to ever hit the silver screen. Is it the locations, cars, or testosterone-filled action sequences that keep people coming back for more? Maybe it connects with people on another level. It gives them all the junk food they could possibly muster and then some. Maybe it's balanced between good guys, bad guys, nerds, and subcultures. Or maybe it's just dumb fun. Whatever the case may be, the newest installment, Fate of the Furious, or Fast 8, makes up its own rules. It's set in a world where anything can be hacked, one-man suicide missions are easily completed, and acting is studiously overblown and ridiculous. You could say that Fast 8 is too much of a good thing, that it offers up too much for the brain to handle, and yet fans still flock to the theaters to take in all of it each and every time. All I know is that we are destined to end up in space at one point with these characters, and if and when we get there, let's hope it's a hell of a lot better than the Leprechaun and Jason's beforehand. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 25, or sorry, 35 of the Feasible Filmcast for April 19th, 2017. My name is Christopher. Today in the show we'll be reviewing The Fate of the Furious as well as an installment of the top five featuring the Fast and Furious films. Which will rise to the top, you'll have to wait until the end of the show or later in the show to find out. We also have two questions from Twitter and... Um, so let's go ahead and get right into the review. So as everyone knows by now, Fate of the Furious, Fast and Furious in general, is one of the largest franchises, I mean, to ever hit the screen. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just like a new Star Wars film. It's like everybody has to go out and see, you know, what's going on. And I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, you, you want to go to see the cars. You want to go to see kind of where the story uh, goes, especially after Brian's fate in the last film, especially for me. Um, not sure that they handled that all that well, but um, it's directed by Gary, was it Gary F. Gary or, yeah, F. Gary, F. Gary Gray, sorry. And um, it's made, I think, close to 550, close to 600 million at this point with a budget of 250 million. Um, and it runs a little over, what, two hours and 10 minutes or so. Um, so basically, uh, in, a nut in a nutshell, where you have the old classic, um, you know, hacking um, plot line that's in this, you know, that's just in a lot of the TV shows nowadays, like, you know, MacGyver and Scorpion and, you know, like, CSI Cyber and Hawaii Five-O, they have the quote-unquote hacker girl or hacker guy that's on there that can, you know, just lead, can, can pick up a scent, can, you know, track any type of technology, whether it be a computer, a car, a phone, or whatever, and get you, you know, move along the plot like that easily. You know, it's able just to run some code on a screen and know exactly what's going on, and this is no different. It, it uses hacking as a crutch. Um, it's almost like a really, really low level bond, like a very, very basic bond plot where, you know, so a hackers in control of everything can hack anything can control anything, so on and so on. So that's Charlie Theron's, uh, um, you know, character, character's plot line. She's the bad guy. She shows Dom something, um, on a phone that gets him to turn on his family, quote unquote family and go rogue or whatever. And um, 
you know, overall, you know, and then, and then the team is set out to find him, you know, because, you know, they make, Charlie's character makes Dom, you know, go steal all these important things to try to uh, take over the world or whatever. So, you know, and then the, without spoiling anything, the, uh, the crew goes up and tries, and goes and goes up against him. But, um, but as you might guess, everything's fine at the, you know, at the end. That's not spoiling anything either. So, um, yeah, so this overall, overall, it's kind of middle of the road for me. You know, it's a little too much of a good thing, I guess. Uh, these movies have like, every, every single movie, it's almost like getting that extra patty on a McDonald's burger. It just gets more and more, you get more and more stuffed, more and more plot, and more and more bogged down to where you're just, you can't even really comprehend what's going on the screen. You kind of, you're forced to go with it because it's just so extremely bonkers that, you know, it's just, what can we do to amp this up to the next level? And, you know, honestly, I just don't know where they go from here. They've got, you know, in the last couple, they've had bank heists. They've had plane, you know, uh, cars driving to cargo planes. And this one, you have submarines, you have rockets, you have missiles, you have nuclear missiles. You've got EMP devices. You've got pretty much every, like, big style device that you can absolutely muster. And I know the opening, I was joking about space, but that or time travel is just right up this film's, right up the right up the alley of this film, you know, coming up uh, in the next installment. But um, let's see, so as far as the action goes, the action was okay. Uh, I really enjoy, even though it was kind of ridiculous as well, I enjoyed the beginning, like the first like 10 or 15 minutes kind of uh, is like an ode to kind of the fans who, uh, you know, like the originals, you know, you have your classic race scene and, uh, you know, with stakes and, but then from there it, it just kind of spirals out of control. But, uh, the action sequences were okay. Um, we'll get into some of the nitpicks here in a little bit, but, um, just overall, yeah, the, uh, of course there's car smashing one another, there's explosions, there's rockets going off, there's all sorts of craziness happening, which I guess can be fun to a certain extent, but um, the movie, the movie, just like all of the other ones, kind of rides this fine line of trying to be believable, but in the same vein, not. So it's it's giving you both sides, and to me, it's just not working anymore. Just because it's just it's just so ridiculous, you know. On the other ones, you know, you had a little bit of a setup, you had a little bit of you know toying around with the cars toying around with a little bit of tech, you know, getting to know like, like, uh, almost like Ocean's Eleven style, like how they're going to infiltrate a base, how they're going to, you know, take control or steal something or get somebody back, you know, there is more of a sense of, uh, uh, um, procedural element to it, I guess. And I, I've always enjoyed that about the, the last couple films. And this one, it's just lost. It's, uh, you know, the, the missions are pretty much over when they start. I mean, you, you're given you're given actual sections where they're going in and stealing something, and it's just showing you what happens at the end. You know, just in favor of an action sequence. And um, although some of the action sequences are kind of fun, they really, really are just too much. You know, and um, the believability factor is just on another level. You know, um, when you just don't 
when you don't have any type of accountability as you know by you know some some kind of a boss or or um, some kind of like a police force that's after you you just kind of lose you you lose that tension you know it's just you're on you're kind of just sitting there like anything can happen at this point and there's like absolutely zero consequence um, no matter what they do where they go what they destroy and you know it's just ridiculous and so um, and so as far as the acting goes I thought um, you know everybody's serviceable you know Kurt Russell kind of stands out as being kind of the uh, like the funny everyman type guy. He's funny. The Rock is is pretty good in this one, and as as well as Jason Statham, they they kind of amp it up a bit, add a lot of comedy, and uh, but you know everyone else just kind of falls into the same like you know really terrible acting category like Tyrese and Ludacris and uh, Michelle Rodriguez. They're they're just there, you know, and Dom, Vin Diesel. It's at this point, these guys are just there, you know, just not trying anything new, you know, showing up, reading their lines and going going home. Whereas the, you know, the Rock, uh, Jason Statham especially, like seem like they're actually bringing something to it. You know, they're as much as you can say about all their other films, they have like a charisma, which the other ones just do not. And... It's only because they're in the original films that they keep bringing them back and they need a spot for them. I mean, you could get rid of like Tyrese's character. You could get rid of uh, Ludacris's character. And I don't think anyone would shed a tear for that. You know, as, as long as you have like the main uh, crew, I think, you know, you'd be just fine moving ahead. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the, the, the you know, it set a record for the highest growth grossing film of all time, you know, even trumping Star Wars, uh, you know, The Force Awakens, which is no heavy feat, and, you know, it's just mind-boggling, you know, it, it, uh, you know, the cultures, the different types of people, you know, it just appeals to, it's almost like, um, like WWE, it just, there's something in there for everyone, you know, and, and, you know, it just seems people just, uh, I don't, for whatever reason, love this franchise. Um, I thought, you know, where the story takes place um, is, you know, uninteresting. You know, the, the pretty much the characters are all just superheroes in themselves. So, um, you know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, country hopping, city hopping. Um, and, you know, but specifically, there's a sequence that is there's two things that really, really, uh, you know, brought it, this movie down for me, especially uh, one being the whole uh, Charlie Theron cipher hacking everything at any point, at any time, being able to control any camera, uh, being able to control autonomous cars, which was every, every single car in New York must be a self-driving car because they can all be hacked they can all, every single one of them can be driven in unison around corners and, you know, create roadblocks and, and things of this nature. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And so far from believability, it's just eye-rollingly bad. Uh, so there's that. And then, of course, 
Charlie's is flying fortress plane, you know, that can hack, you know, that can go around and hack anything, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a plane in the sky that no one can find. <laughs> he never, it seemingly never has to land a fuel, you know, it, it just, it seems to me that, you know, a plane of that size, a plane with that type of cargo has to land and answer to somebody, has to, the FAA knows where everyone is at every point and every time, you know, you can't just fly over New York or whatever you want to at any point, you know, and just be okay or, or fly to Germany or fly wherever they want to fly, you know, they're just there in service of the plot and that just brings down the setups to the action, you know, and the, the big brother thing where it's just been done so much where, you know, everything can be traced, everything can be tracked. And we, you know, without spoiling anything, Dom has every opportunity in the world to tell his crew what's happening and doesn't in fear of, I mean, the consequences are, are, are grave, you know, but to inform his crew, I don't think at any point, you know, to get a message out. Um, there's certain things that happen in the movie where he's able to have secret dealings and secret meetings and things like that. So it doesn't seem that far-fetched to grab a burner phone or something and, and give his team a call and tell them what was going on, you know, so they, you know, wouldn't worry or whatever, or, or wouldn't put their lives at risk, you know. So, but, you know, putting lives at risk, I guess, is <laughs> one thing, but, you know, and saving the world's another. But, um, you know, in the end, everything's fine. Um, you know, seemingly they're going to, they're already looking for the future for the franchise. They're already going to have like probably like two or three more, even if the main actors, you know, end up leaving at some point, they've already, you know, set the seed for future installments. So, um, that's no big deal. So, um, yeah, I was, I was somewhat excited i didn't watch the trailers I, I watched like the first teaser trailer i believe that came out during the super bowl if i remember right um but other than that you know i was lukewarm on it and you know at, at towards the end i mean at the end of the day it's just it's just mediocre I, I it wouldn't be in my top five it'd be you know probably sixth or seventh or so um but uh you know, I, I guess it's entertaining, but it's just too much of a good thing, in my opinion. So I'd give it a two and a half out of five at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, please let, let me know what you guys think in the comment section. And uh, so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, question section now. Um, if you haven't, you can hit me up at feasiblefilm at gmail.com. You can also hit us up at Feasible Film, or it's at Feasible Film on Twitter. Um, if you have, you know, questions for the week, questions on previous shows, or you know, just just want to be on the, you know, show, just let me know. And so the first one we have is from is Ron from Washington. He writes, "This was this was like I guess a week before, like last week, I got this so." Uh, it was before the movie came out, but with, it says, uh, with Fate of the Furious coming out soon, which feature car is your favorite and why? So I did take a look at like which cars were featured in the film, you know, before beforehand. And uh, like watching it now, I especially liked the, uh, 
I mean, just because it's an it's an awesome looking car is the Jaguar F type that uh, Jason Statham drives, and uh, I don't know. There's something about there's something about Jaguar. You know, they've had they've had a storied past. They've had uh, you know a lot of a lot of like luxury cars, you know, that have come and gone that don't look all that great. But you know, it's kind of like a Bentley. It's really nice inside. But the latest model. You know, it's been out a couple of years now. The F-Type kind of brings brings that racing pedigree, that muscle car backbone back to Jaguar. And I don't know, it, it just looks awesome. You know, it's, you know, it sounds great. It's refined. Uh, the inside's nice. I can actually fit inside of it and be able to see over the, the, uh, uh, the windscreen, which is good, <laughs> which is good for me. Um... But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just an awesome, it's just an awesome looking car, you know, it, 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 uh, it brings class to the muscle car. So that's definitely what I would go with. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's get on to the next question. Uh, next question is Lad from England and he writes, Ghost in the Shell is one of my favorite animes. Why is everyone talking about how terrible the action sequences are in the new film? And can there truly be an original fight sequence? So to this, I would say um, the first thing that popped into my mind when I watched Ghost in the Shell was, especially with the action sequences, was the Matrix. Um, you know, just because, uh, you know, you have uh, the major jumping off walls, you know, using pistols, um, almost like Trinity-esque in the Matrix. So, you know, jumping off, doing like some slow-mo kicks some up kicks, you know, a lot of slow motion, a lot of panning. Um, so you could easily say, you know, the Matrix was a big influence. But if you're talking about, you know, how terrible the action is, um, I don't really agree with that. You know, I, uh, I mean, yes, was it, was it, um, you know, was it like tear the doors down awesome? You know, no, but... It did, it did add um, like kind of the, the visual flair, especially of the fight scene in the water. Um, if you remember that part, had a more like artistic sensibility. It wasn't like like Fate of the Furious, where you know it's just you know power bombs and jumping off of roofs and doing somersaults and jump kicks. It's you have that, but it's done with a little bit more finesse. And it's done with, like I said, a little bit more like cinematic sensibility. So it's a little bit more uh, refined and fun in that way. Just like, you know, the Jaguar is, you know. You have the Fast and the Furious, which would be like your NOS-filled Honda Civic. And then you have Ghost in the Shell action sequences are more kind of the refined, to-the-point Jaguar, you know. So um, that answers that. And then, you know, can there truly be an original fight sequence? To this, I would definitely say yes. You just have to go outside the box um, and find movies that are trying to do something different, something new. Um, like two movies that come to mind in recent memory was John Wick 2 does a really good job of coming up with new interesting fight sequences. And that's all on Keanu Reeves, like, you know, spending like the five or six months training leading up to it, you know. Say what you will about his acting, but you know, the fight sequences are, are, you know, just out of this world. They're so much fun. Um, they're so new and intriguing. And, um, if you want 
want to go back and listen to the John Wick 2 review that we did like a month or two, like two months ago. Um, we talked about it in full, but that that has that incorporates like all different types of martial arts, which is really interesting. And one that, you know, just hit it out of the park for me, um, like one of the first movies I ever watched uh, where I was kind of blown away and kind of got me into like Asian cinema was like Iron Monkey, you know, the 36 Shallons, things like that, and Five Fingers of Death. Those movies really propelled me into like finding, you know, the next, going through and finding the next big like martial arts movie, you know, going through and trying to cure that itch, you know, just like you would if you saw an awesome, you know, read an awesome fantasy book or, you know, watched a great TV show. You're always looking for the next big thing. And with the next big thing for me, recent, recent memory was The Raid 2. It just has like some of the best like fight sequences like I've seen in a film, you know, it's just amazing what they're able to do. And yeah, it's a little bit bloody and boring in some points, but, uh, but where that movie shines is its fight scene. So I would definitely, you know, uh, gravitate, gravitate to that. If you're looking for something, uh, you know, new, well, new, newish, I think it's like three or four years old at this point, but, um, so let's get into our top five as we round out the show here. Uh, now this was kind of difficult and I'll kind of go through and, and I guess just like every week, you know, the top fives are difficult, but um, I'll kind of go through each one and kind of give my little plot, like little points as to why they fit and where they fit. But uh, so with, uh, yeah, so with the top five, this is top five Fast and Furious films. So number five would be and this is very controversial, is Tokyo Drift. And uh, Tokyo Drift kind of just, it, uh, it was the third movie, if I remember right, yeah. Yeah, the third movie. And it had a new actor, new lead actor. It, it delved into like a completely different um, setting. And even though the acting was absolutely horrendous, you know, it did have some pretty good action scenes. It had had some pretty cool, pretty good stakes. And it just like fit into like, I don't know, in my mind, it just kind of captured, you know, the culture aspect that they go for now. It's just so overly expanding um, and so overly done now. It's, it's just nice to have one that's in one setting, you know, like, like, especially like the new fate of the fierce, like if it was just in Cuba, the whole movie, I mean, that could have been cool. Um, but you know, they're so propelled on giving you new, you know, new locations and, you know, cars on roads, cars on ice, cars on overpasses, cars on, you know, it's just, they have to put a car on every type of surface imaginable, but that was for its time. I, you know, I really enjoyed that one. And then number four would be too fast, too furious. And that one was, was cool because, I mean, it sticks out in my mind just because, you know, you had like some new characters like Tyrese and, you know, Ludacris and it kind of gave, it, it, it expanded on the first by, you know, getting the main characters more into the criminal underworld side, but the stakes weren't as high, you know, it's just, you know, all about the racing and uh, all about like these cool locations and you know getting to know like the the relationship between 
Brian and um, uh, Tyrese's character uh, were, you know, it was really interesting. And, and that was one thing that um, I forgot to mention in the review is the, the passing of uh, Paul Walker really, really hindered the movie. I mean, Brian is kind of watching this movie and thinking that he's not in it. It's, he's kind of the guy who's like the level-headed guy, like the guy you can get behind, the guy that doesn't really have that much of a criminal past. And it's kind of the glue that holds everything together. You know, all these other guys are just vigilantes and, you know, you don't know any much or anything about them. But Brian just seemed to be the guy that was the more level-headed. He actually seemed like the guy that was about the family, you know. So that was the unfortunate thing about not having him. But that that's kind of like the, the second one I thought was good in the fact that, you know, it dealt more with character. It gave you everything. It was car, it was racing, dealt with the characters, and, you know, it was fun as well. Number three is kind of when it made its turn was Fast Five. And, you know, that's the one where it turned more into an Ocean's Eleven type film. You know, you brought more of the older characters were brought up. The Rock was introduced. Um, and it turned more, it turned from a racing movie into an action movie. So that's number three. Number two was Fast Seven. And I, I feel like I start this off with each one. But, uh, of course, the acting wasn't great. But, you know, just the set pieces... Um, you know, showcasing and setting up the action sequences have always been something that's really awesome or, or something that I enjoyed about these movies and something that they've lost in the last couple. Uh, uh, I mean, the last one is, you know, just the setting up, the procedure elements, the planning stages of setting up a good action scene, you know. And in this one, you know, they do a good job of having new types of cars, uh, new locations you hadn't seen, um, you know, some interesting new angles, some interesting new shots, you know, dealt with like trains and cars coming out of, you know, just the logistics of how each sequence was set up seemed, you know, more fun than, you know, this last one, more like the A-Team movie. Um, and then of course, number one is the the first one, the Fast and Furious. I mean, it's the one that started it all. It, it, you know, you know, everyone makes the joke about all these movies where, you know, a race is just easily won just by a press of an ass button, you know, and the answer, everything for the plot of these films in winning a race or getting an edge in a race is using NOS, no matter what your car, no matter what the shape is, uh, you know, you can win, you know, with those. And I guess, you know, Brian's in Supra in this one with, you know, dual turbos isn't enough. He just has to beat a muscle car off the line. He just need that you know, 100 pounds in the house or whatever in the, in the car to win, you know, it's not enough for a, for a 350, what, Super had 350 twin turbo, you know, that's just not enough to beat a 1960 something charger with 500 horsepower, you know, so that's the number one. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, all in all, you know, Fate of the Furious kicked off the summer, or it seems like it's not summer, of course, but it seems like it kicked off the summer. We've got, you know, so many great movies coming up. Uh, you know, not not in the next week or two, but like starting in May with like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, starting with Guardians of the Galaxy, like going all the way to like Aliens, you know, 
we've got like some or alien i'm sorry we've got like some great stuff coming out so let me pull up what's coming out next week let's see let's see what we've got coming out let's see 19th so next month will be or this friday will be the 21st so we've got Okay, so we've got Phoenix Forgotten is next week, or I'm sorry, this week. And then we have Free Fire as well, which I'd like to see. Um, so those two, those are two possibilities. Um, so look forward to that. And then next week, uh, it doesn't look like anything's coming out next week other than the circle. Um, it doesn't look all that great, but... Um, yeah, but we could do like a two for like, we could do Phoenix forgotten this week and then like free fire next week. So we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thanks again for listening. Um, if you wouldn't mind going on your social media on Twitter and Instagram, uh, sharing this, you know, telling your friends about it. Um, like I said, you can follow me. Uh, it's at feasible film. Uh, you can email us at feasiblefilm at gmail.com uh, for questions and comments. Uh, and um, I guess that's it. Until next time, stay feasible. <laughs>